Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 75 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be kicking off our marvelous May series. It's unbelievable that after three years of hosting Imagineer Podcast covering all things Disney, that has been all things except Marvel. So I thought to change things around, we would devote an entire month, three podcast episodes exclusively to Marvel to kind of make up for lost time and discuss some of our favorite films and characters and topics going back to 2008 all the way through Avengers Endgame and even Spider-Man Far From Home. And in today's episode, to really kick things off, we're going to be talking about our favorite Marvel moments from the MCU. Again, going all the way back to technically The Incredible Hulk, all the way through Spider-Man Far From Home. So of course, if you are concerned about spoilers, keep that in mind. You might want to go back and watch some of the remaining Marvel movies that you perhaps haven't seen yet in the MCU before listening to this episode. Rather than talk about this topic by myself, of course, I wanted to invite some guests to discuss this topic with me, and I thought no better pick than someone who hosts their own podcast devoted to Marvel, and more particularly to the MCU. So in today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Matt and Jeff from the MCU podcast who lend their opinions, some really incredible opinions, in in my opinion, about all things Marvel and some of their favorite Marvel moments. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, Pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. So unbelievably, it has been three years, pretty much the nose to the date that I've been hosting Imagineer Podcast, and I say I talk about all things Disney, which includes Marvel. But in the last three years, I haven't produced a single episode about Marvel until today, and that's why all of May is going to be devoted to what I'm calling Marvelous May to discuss a range of Marvel episodes. And I have with me on this particular episode to talk about our favorite Marvel MCU moments, the members of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast who are Matthew and Jeff. And I should have said hosts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Matthew and Jeff. Uh, So welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to to be on on this show. I discovered your podcast uh, fairly recently and started listening to a couple of episodes. And and, um, I haven't listened to all of them yet, but I'm hoping I will get through them as quickly as I can. Um, So for those who have not heard of your show, um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the Cinematic (laughs) Universe podcast and what you guys do? 
Well, it's pretty much all in the title there. Uh, you know, a few years ago when they started making Marvel TV, we realized there's enough Marvel content to talk about every week now. Uh, and that was that was almost six years ago now. So we've been doing uh, every almost every week uh, talking about Marvel, uh, whether what's going on in the movies or the TV or uh, the Netflix sort of universe um, and kind of like drawing connections. And what we love to do is just like speculate about what's coming next. We love new content. We love to be like, what could be in this movie? What could be in that movie? You know, we love to just be, get really silly and uh, talk about really nerdy things about nerd, nerd out on the very small particulars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just love a strong, connected universe like they've created. What about you, Judge? Uh, the One of the most um, fun parts for me of what we do and the reason I keep coming back to it is just because I like talking about it and I like coming up with uh, – you know, the the really good theories, but also the really crazy theories that are like, you know, <laughs> obviously they're going to do Secret Wars and like, no, they're not going to do that. Come on. <laughs> um, it's just it's a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, you know, I grew up as a as a Marvel kid and now they're actually making phenomenal movies and, and TV shows about it. It's how could you not want to talk about it all the time? Yeah. Were you both Marvel fans growing up or was that something that you gained fandom for when the Marvel Cinematic Universe started up? I was definitely a Marvel fan growing up, but not uh, not as deep probably as Jeff on the comics. But I, I don't know. I was like really into the iconography and the cartoons and the like. I had all kinds of like trading cards and just loved. I loved every. I loved everything Marvel growing up. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on the uh, the X Men animated series, um, and then kind of went a little deeper with some of the comics. But I, I wasn't that big into into the comics as a kid. Uh, the real love for it was. Uh, when I was in high school and started just kind of like going out onto the internet and, and reading about, you know, the history of these Marvel characters and the history of Thor and how that, you know, how they related Norse mythology into the comics and, you know, just kind of, I would pick one topic and deep dive on that and go down a rabbit hole and come up, you know, three days later, like, oh my God, I have everything to tell you. Yeah, I, as a kid, was a little bit the same. I watched the same X-Men series. I, I love that show. And I didn't go too deep into the comics. I think I might have picked up a comic or two when I was a kid. And uh, I don't think as a kid I, I kind of hooked, got hooked into comics as much. Um, but then when the... And I should say I still don't really read comics, but I love the MCU, and <laughs> I love what mm. Disney has done with Marvel. I think they've made it more of a... or given it a little bit more of a mass audience appeal, but still, you know, really helps those who who are Marvel fans from a young age or as adults, um, you know, gave, gave them another outlet to to uh, appreciate the films and the characters and develop stories that are just so incredible and have a lot of amazing moments that we'll talk about today. Um, I, Absolutely. I have, we, yeah, sorry. go ahead. Absolutely. We, we often joke on our podcast, people will write in and be like, why didn't you mention this obscure comic book reference? And we were like, we're the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast for a reason, because we, as much as we did like a lot of the Marvel stuff growing up, we our deep fandom is this set of movies that we like, just love the world they're building there, and so that's what we really, on our on our show. That's what we really try to focus on, and so I think that's actually like in a way is a strength of our podcast that we don't constantly deep dive on the comics references. It's more about what you're seeing on screen, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's true. I I think especially for those who are listening now who might think that we're going to go a little deep into Marvel history and comics, we're we're not going to go quite that deep. So if you're not as well versed in the Marvel cinematic in the Marvel universe, um, but know the movies uh, that Disney's put out, then you'll definitely be able to enjoy this conversation and understand the moments we bring up. I have to ask because I, I I'm going to put a little bit of a twist when I do have new guests on the show. I'll usually ask favorite Disney movies or Disney attractions or parks. But because this is a Marvel episode, I'm going to shift that a little bit to favorite Marvel uh, uh, things. So I'll start with, um, I guess we'll go with Matthew first, because you're the first one on my screen right now. I have three three simple questions. Um, The first is, of all, this is a hard one, but of all the um, MCU films that have come out since uh, you know, 2008, which one is your favorite right now? Ooh. Okay. Or, or a category like the Iron Man films or the, the Captain America films. Right. So if I were going to rate all the movies, I think Endgame would be at the top. But if we're going with my f- personal favorite, which is what you asked, uh, I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's such a fun movie. <laughs> it's just the, the style, the genre, the comedy, it all fits me. And, and like, I just feel much more connected to the, those characters than I do most of the MCU. Uh, but like, and Endgame is, I think, a better movie, but it also gets the cheat of being the culmination of 22 movies or whatever. Yeah. Like, but, but Guardians is the first one out of the gate and it is just, it knows what it is. It so, has so many perfect moments. I just, I love that movie. Yeah, and that's the first one that I think really strayed into unknown territory for a lot of uh, for a mass audience. I had not heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before MCU announced it. Um, so yeah, same here. Yeah, it, it, it's but it, I think now everybody just loves Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're even getting their own. They already have their own ride at California Adventure, and they're getting their own roller coaster at Epcot. So I think a lot of people are gravitating towards that that part of the universe. Do you have a favorite Disney... Sorry, I see I default to saying Disney. Do you have a favorite (laughs) Marvel hero? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Captain America. Nice choice. I I I love him from his his introduction, and I I just love his heart. And uh, I love how much he stands up for everybody. Stands up for the little guy because he knows what it was like to be a little guy. Yeah, I just just love Cap. Yeah, he's he's a classic choice to go with. And how about favorite Marvel villain? Hmm... Uh, so if we were including TV, I just have to say Kilgrave and Fisk, mm-hmm. but if we're not Killmonger, oh, I really liked choice. Eric Killmonger from the, uh, uh, from the Black Panther movie. Really, yeah. really great. Yeah. He was, he was pretty fantastic. He was a true villain in that movie. Just amazing, amazing job well done by Michael B. Jordan. He delivered that, that whole role perfectly. Absolutely, but also he's a true villain, but he's also like a human being, and you kind of, you can really understand where he's coming from, and he's complex. He's not, you know, he's just not he's not a mustache twirler, as they say. Oh, right. And I, I just really really love his his complex, interesting nature in that movie. Excellent, great choice, Jeff. I'll ask you the same question: favorite MCU movie hero and villain. See, this is tough. This is tough. Um... I, I could have named all of Matt's favorites without you asking him. Because, <laughs> um, you know, the music guy would go for the music movie, right? Um, oh, but mine, favorite movie, 
See, I want to say, I want to again, Endgame is probably the best. Endgame or Infinity War, I would say, are tied for the best movie. Um, but they weigh so heavy on the heart. There's so much emotion there. Like, I'm not ready to go down that path again. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but I would say the one that I could just watch over and over again is The Avengers. The the first Marvel's The Avengers. Great choice. That is a fun one. Yeah. And, you know, it's got it's got all of the um, all the the hope, the you know, all the 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 hope of a new universe being born the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's also got all of the hope of like all these all these heroes can come together and save everybody. And, uh, you know, it's got some of the best moments in it. It's got, you know, some of the best character moments and and just is that great a film that kicks off everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's a great choice to go with, too. Very classic. It's easy to watch over and over again. So much fun um, and feels like a you know, a true Avengers type of movie. Um, how about hero and villain? Uh, favorite hero from like coming from the comics, I would say my favorite hero is Thor. Uh, just, you know, he's the one that I have most identified with in the past, but uh, in the MCU, I would have to also say Captain America. Just, you know, his heart, his uh, his dedication to do the right thing. And, you know, no matter what, plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and say, no, you move. Like, yep, that's that's a great, great answer as well. I could see you guys sharing, you know, the, the similar reasons there. Um, and favorite villain? Oof, favorite villain is tough. Uh, you know, as much as I like Killmonger, I would have I would have answered there. But honestly, I I gotta go with Loki, uh, just because he's the one that lasted the longest and has gone through the most as far as uh, character development. Yep, yeah. he, he's, uh, he's he's definitely uh, I think one of the most charming villains in, uh, <laughs> in the universe and. Uh, he's getting his own series for a reason. <laughs> yep. It's just yep. so much, so much fun to watch. So um, excited about that series. So excited. It's going to oh, be man. so great. It just got to wait another few months. <laughs> like at the, at the, for this episode recording coming out, I think it's like six months. Well, I think it's, uh, is, do, have they even announced a time for that one yet? It's like 2021 or something like that. I thought I could, I, I could be wrong. I thought it was the end of 2020. Um, oh, I, I hope so. I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. uh, the end of 2020 is WandaVision. That's right. Um, you're right. The yeah, first so, episode is going to be 2021 for Loki. I got them. I got my wires crossed on on those new series. But they oh, have so many new series coming out, which is good. Yeah. So just yeah. Falcon Disney Plus. Um, so I will. I'll just share mine because I never have on the show before. So my my hero and villain are are connected, and Black Panther has nothing to do with either of them. Um, but Black <laughs> Panther is my favorite. Uh, my favorite MCU movie. That's the one that I continue to watch over and over again and just somehow gravitate towards. Um, the The combination of the music uh, is the music is just so incredible in that that film. The score is uh, is so different than the other Marvel movies. Obviously, also written by a different composer, which helped contribute to that. But I love the blend of of um, you know uh, sort of a modern hip hop. Uh, feel with a more traditional African, um, you know, inspiration, and I just love the the music in that movie. But also the the actual characters, Killmonger, as you 
both mentioned is is a great a complex villain um i also love uh claw he's he's up he's up there in, in terms of some of my favorite villains he might be number two or three um and the storyline for black panther as is also really great it has some ties to the lion king which is my favorite disney movie so i think that also might be why but i love that film so that's that's my favorite movie my favorite character for hero and villain though um i actually as much as I love Captain America, and for a while I said he was my favorite, over time I've come to lean towards Iron Man. Um, probably just because he 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 smarts himself his his way into being a hero. You know, he's got the the craft and the and the intellect, and he's able to fashion himself a uh, you know an Iron Man suit and and make himself into a hero and his character arc is i think one of the the most redeeming in the series or the one that i loved watching especially because his film dates back to 2008 and Endgame in 2019 um and i said that the villain was related um so the my favorite villain is thanos which might be the the typical answer but i for the first time felt myself in a way, I, I feel like in Infinity War, I was almost not rooting for Thanos, but there were points I was like, you know, I can kind of understand him. Like, I think he's yeah. a little extreme, but I understand where he's coming from and that I loved his complexity. Uh, and I thought that Josh Brolin did an amazing job with him. And then when it came to Endgame, his villainy in Endgame stepped up. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't root for this guy at all. But um, <laughs> he just he's just such a great villain. So he's he's probably my favorite there. Mm-hmm. I you know, think those are great, great choices, Matt. Great choices. Thank you. You know, you mentioned the music in Black Panther, and that made me think, like, who did the music on that? I went and looked. It was actually Ludwig Göransson. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the music for Creed, Creed Two, uh, Fruitville Station, and uh, most recently The Mandalorian. And I, I remember every episode of The Mandalorian going, God, this is such a great song. That's right. Mandalorian, yeah. I, I know it's not, is not a, we could probably do an episode about uh, Mandalorian moments. <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's really, ta- he's, su- Ludwig is super talented. Um, I didn't know him before Black Panther, but then I did more research and I realized he's, he's got some serious skill. Uh, well, and that, those are all, all those except for the Mandalorian are Ryan Coogler movies. So I guess you must've gotten to start with Ryan Coogler because Fruitvale Station was more of like an independent, smaller movie that Ryan Coogler directed. Yeah. Um, before he did the Creed movies. So that's, that's rad. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. Um, so great. Well, I, I'm glad, you know, this, that, that kind of primes our discussion and gets the listeners to know both of you a little bit better, but I'm excited to, to, talk about what we think are the the best or most iconic or perhaps our favorite marvel moments within the mcu i will say as of this episode black widow will be out but when we're recording this it's not so that's not in consideration we're going through uh, from you know iron man through spider-man far from home um and my guests always go first and uh, again, Matthew just happens to be the first one on my screen right now. So I'll start with you. What was the first moment that you thought of as either your favorite or what you consider to be the best in the MCU? I like it. I'm getting that sweet, sweet alphabetical treatment. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, no, my number 10 is going to be uh, the dance off at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I knew cool. that one would make it onto your list. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
You're going to yep. know, we, we've had a lot of these discussions on the MCU cast over the years, so you're going to know most of my list. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but this, this moment is so amazing to me because it's James Gunn doing what James Gunn does best, who's the director of, of that movie. Uh, he... The, the, the villain in Guardians of the Galaxy is a very serious, somber, like religious zealot who is like, I mean, he's very dark. And then the heroes are so silly. And it seemed like those two could not exist on the screen at the same time. And I just expected when I'm watching that movie, when I watched that movie, that it was just going to end up being like a very regular battle at the end. And then when they get faced with this horrible evil ultimate power how does he fight it but like with a dance off and it's just so perfect and it's so like having this like dark enemy evil stand up to these plucky silly heroes it's just it's just so fun it's just such a fun way to end that movie yep. that and he calls him turd blossom so yes you know. <laughs> The look on Ronan's face. <laughs> yeah, it's what amazing. What are you doing? We're supposed to be serious right now. <laughs> yeah, and and but Star Lord can't be bothered to be serious. Uh, but then it's it's a it's also a great little trick and a gambit that it's just he's he has no um, composure, no 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 fear of looking silly. He's like I'm. I don't care how silly I look. This is how we're gonna win this thing, and it's just so <laughs> fun and silly. I love it. Uh, and but mostly I love the the fact that James Gunn was able to put those two completely different tones of characters on screen at the same time and not have either one sacrifice who they are. They're still who they are, and they just put those tones on screen, which is something Marvel does well all around. Like a lot. That's a lot of what when we were, when they were making the first Avengers. A lot of people were like, how are you going to put Captain America, Thor? Iron Man, how are you going to put all of them on the screen at the same time? They're so different. But then they did it, and it just works beautifully. Yes, the Marvel Universe is what you do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they definitely do do that very well. And even those characters, it's like they are four different people working together with different personalities that are just working together. Um, and all the, the conversations and, and uh, complexities that come with that. But that's great. I actually didn't even have, as I'm looking back at my list... I didn't even have any moments from Guardians of the Galaxy on my list because I even realized when you come up with 10, you have to leave out essentially 13 movies <laughs> at yeah. minimum. Um, but that's good because it, it enables us to come up with probably more answers and fewer repeats with so many choices. Um, Jeff, did you have Guardians on your list at all? Or, or what did I, you want to jump to first? I purposely left out uh, Guardians 1 moments because i knew that matt would have like all of them i'm pretty sure somewhere else on his list is going to be uh peter quill dancing to uh come and get your love stop stop trying to predict my list now my uh my number 10 my uh my uh i don't want to say my lowest one but my lowest of the top you know it's like picking your favorite kids right so you can't do that right um my 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 first one up is kind of a a combination of scenes, but they're all kind of in the same spot. Uh, in the first Thor movie, when uh, he's in the coffee shop and slams the cup down and says "another," and I'm like, "Yes, that's the character right there. That's him." <laughs> and uh, and when he walks into the pet shop 
<laughs> he yells, I need a horse. <laughs> we don't have those. We've got dogs, cats, birds. Give me one of those large enough to ride. <laughs> like, it's just so much fun. You know, that and that kind of marked that, you know, that was in the beginning of the MCU. And that kind of marked the tone of how it how it's supposed to go forward, how pretty much everything has been. It's just been fun more than anything. Like, yes, there are serious stories to tell, but you can still make them fun. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it, the interesting thing to me about your choice of those moments for Thor, because I know Thor is your favorite character. Um, the interesting thing uh, is that that those moments are the tone that they later change Thor to for Thor Ragnarok. Yep, and like he, they make him more silly in these in this latest latest outing, and it's kind of like that. I always I always try to contend that those those elements were there from the beginning. A lot of people are like they changed it completely, and like no, he walked into a pet shop and asked for a horse in the first movie, like that's <laughs> or that's, a large that's enough dog silly. to ride, right? Yeah, that's silly, <laughs> silly stuff. Yep. Yeah, I I I agree. Um, that, that was definitely a good moment, and I love how you you both are coming up with fun answers. I have a couple of fun ones in here, but then a lot of serious ones as I'm looking back. But um, <clears throat> I'll I'll start mine with a with a fun one, and it's like Jeff, kind of a a series of of favorites, and it it ties into Ant Man and pretty much anything that Lewis says. Um, I, I oh, love I yes. love his storytelling it's literally the one you know one of the funniest things from ant-man um or ant-man 2 for that matter ant-man the wasp uh is is lewis and i thought michael pena just just you know delivered a hilarious comedic relief in that movie which already is a funny movie to begin with but um yeah just any of his rants i can't think of a specific quote off the top of my head but he just uh is I find myself every time I watch that hysterically laughing, just just how yep. amazing and funny it all is. We talked like- a lot about it on our MCU cast that uh, during the whole Infinity War and Endgame that they absolutely should have made an at least an online video where Lewis comes on and explains the entirety of the MCU up till now. <laughs> oh and man, that would have been I feel great. Like that- it would have been it's such a missed opportunity they absolutely should have done it especially like even if just as like a functional catch up like you it, you miss the movies let me tell you all about it and he just like goes on and tells you all of the entire story that would have been so so good yeah yeah so this guy tony stark you know he he got captured him and he was in a cave you know <laughs> that would be so great it reminds me this ties into disney but i don't know if you guys have seen frozen 2 but olaf does a whole uh uh recap of frozen for those who might have missed it and uh-huh. it's, it's in it's it literally in the middle of the movie and it's delivered to other characters in the film to to bring them up to speed on what's been going on in arendelle but josh gad again he's he's a comedian to begin with and hit kids and adults were roaring in laughter when we saw that movie um in theaters and it, it, it's a similar idea and yeah to see uh to see lewis do that in endgame would have been so amazing i wish they would have done that yeah <laughs> or even Thank just you. leading into it would have been great right yeah some promotional footage perhaps a, yeah. a teaser yep. video that would have been that would have been yep. a lot of fun you know i liked in uh, in ant-man and the wasp how they were very meta about it because yes. they injected him with the truth serum and he just starts they're like hey man you put a coin in it it's just gotta go <laughs> Yeah, it's so hilarious. Um, so Matthew, what is next on your list? My list, uh, and I'm just going to keep going with the numbers, but yeah, <laughs> uh, my number nine is uh, Black Widow interrogating Loki. 
Ooh, that's a good one. I really love this uh, from Black Widow's character perspective because, like, she's so stoic all the time, and it's so she's so uh, cold seeming. And in that scene, we get a real sense. Uh, it, it's the scene. It's it's an Avengers one. Uh, she is she she goes to Loki to try to. Uh, to talk to him. And it seems like he is tearing her apart with his, like he's talking about how he's going to hurt her and how he's going to hurt, uh, Clint Barton, her best friend and how he's going to like, it just, it's really dark and really awful. And she starts to cry and you're like, Oh, I'm finally seeing the like person under black widow. Like I'm seeing the sensitive side of her. And then she just, when, as soon as he mentions Hulk, she touches her ear and says, Hulk is the play, and it's just her acting weak to uh, get him to spill his guts about what he's going to do. And it's just such a beautiful interrogation scene because she flips it on him, and it's so cool. It's just such a great kind of introduction to the Black Widow character and what her strengths are. And her strengths are using her sort of – using other people's um, preconceptions about what a woman is like against them. And I just – I love that. I mean, she's able to face down the Norse god of trickery mm-hmm. and play him. Like, that is yep. crazy. That takes actually, skill. I actually just wrote a song about it. Did you really? <laughs> I did. I just wrote a song about that scene. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> yep. I'll have I'm to pretty share excited. It. Actually, uh, if this is released in May, that album should be out by then. We're going to be oh, releasing perfect. it on honor mcu cast it's gonna be fun awesome i'll i'll make sure to plug it um at least at least in social uh when when it when it comes out well thanks thanks um jeff what did you have next on your list uh mine is also a uh, a lesser being facing off against somebody s- far superior like so much stronger than they are uh it's cap versus thanos in infinity war yeah when Thanos is just running through everybody, you know, tossing everybody aside with the Infinity Gauntlet, Cap is seeing all of that and still, like, knowing how much stronger than than him this guy is, he still just runs straight at him, grabs the gauntlet with both hands, and is holding him there with all of his might. And it's just, it's so impactful to see, like, that depth of character and, and that heroism in that moment, just for him to be punched down. Yeah, I, I love Cap's heart, I think we talked about earlier. And and when he's when he's put up to a task, he delivers. And I think that's an example of a moment when he does that. Yep. Um, I'll actually stip, stick with Cap. I, I have a, a few for him in here. And along, not the same line, but similar lines. One of my one of my favorite movies, I didn't put it as my favorite, but Winter Soldier is is one of my favorite Marvel films. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moments in there. And I actually, in fact, have two on my list from that movie. Um, so I did, I did a repeat there. But <laughs> uh, the one that is still kind of fun and, and taps into to Cap a little bit, um, I think it's a little iconic and perhaps one that a lot of people would, would uh, say, but I, I love it anyway. Um, and that's the famous elevator scene in Winter Soldier. Um, you know, it was used in the promotional material. It was used in the teaser trailers. And... Just that that look of of uh, you know Steve kind of piecing together what's going on with with Shield and and what hap- what's happening with Nick Fury and being back at the base and having um, 
you know, or being back at S.H.I.E.L.D. and then all of a sudden having everyone just slowly get into an elevator with him, all these big guys and, and him <laughs> together, what's what's happening. And this is a little too a little too uh, much of a coincidence. Um, and then him just, you know, giving that famous line before we get started, does anybody want to get out? And uh, I think that just speaks to how much of a challenge he's willing to take on and that these guys are really nothing compared to him mm-hmm. um, yep. and just him dominating that whole scene and flipping it back on them when they thought I, I'm sure they thought they were just going to easily maybe with a little bit of damage some injuries capture him take him in and that was going to be it but just him totally flipping it on them and and walking out that elevator unscathed uh, he didn't walk out of that elevator he dove out that's right I take that back <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right diving out of that elevator unscathed <laughs> Well, he did, however, in an alternate timeline, <laughs> uh, in Endgame, I love the, um, the sort of flip. Oh, yeah. I love the, yeah, I love the reference of, to that scene in Endgame where Ray he, Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets in an elevator with a bunch of Hydra agents and he says, Hail Hydra as he walks away yep. and just walks out of it instead of having that same fight. I just love it so much. <laughs> so good. That's right. Yeah, that's a, the Endgame has so many of those, um, of those moments, um, which, which, uh, actually, I thought about putting on my list, but I, I ended up not putting that on there. There were a couple with with Cap that I, I thought of putting. Um, Matthew, what do you have next? I, I know you're going in order, so what's your number eight? Okay, yeah, uh, number eight. Uh, Killmonger's death uh, convincing T'Challa, and I, I put this on there again. I just I love when the MCU does things very differently than you're used to in the average comic book movie. And Killmonger's death is really beautiful to begin with when he's lying there dying as the sun's going down. He refuses, he basically refuses medical attention and he just decides, decides to go because he's, he's lost. And uh, T'Challa though, looking at the passion and like actually listening to the point behind what Killmonger is saying. And then like, Killmonger's it's like what you said about Thanos uh I can't really get behind his tactics but I see his point you right. know and yep. and it, it's exactly that and and then for T'Challa to change his mind for the villain to change the hero's mind is such a rare and interesting way to end a superhero movie right. and I just I really love that having the having the villain win the moral argument is mind-blowing groundbreaking even yeah, for for agreed. superhero movies and for them to have done that here and still have our hero win, but also like change his perspective based on what the the villain was doing, like oh my god, it's it's crazy good. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's like you said, groundbreaking uh, to have to have the villain win the moral the moral arguments, and it's just mm-hmm. just in tactics. And I I think that also speaks to the you talked about Killmonger's. You know, Killmonger being human, um, and I think that speaks to his humanity and the fact that not everyone is is born evil, but through circumstances can become not necessarily evil, but to have sort of misled uh, tactics for accomplishing certain things. And Killmonger's a great example of that. Well, and this goes to my personal beliefs, but like I I don't really believe anyone's evil. You know, and that's why I think when you have a villain in any story that is just evil, 
they're just evil. There's no reason for it. There's no, I mean, sure. There's people that are very broken in this world and there's people like whatever, but like, I just think it rings so much more true when you have a villain that you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. And I think the MCU, (laughs) while sometimes they don't do a good job with that, has some of the most complex villains uh, the, you know, it's the they are the people always talk about the Marvel villain problem, and I always say that it's not a villain problem. It's just they choose to focus on the heroes. But here in the last phase or so, they've really got some villains that are complex and interesting, and Killmonger being at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff, what do you have next on your list? Oh, I'm I'm kind of stuck because I was gonna go with uh, my you know natural number. What is this eight? Uh, but having the uh, the depth of character shown makes me want to go with my number seven instead um and i think i will i think i will um my my number my next one is cap one in uh before cap goes through his uh, his transformation when he's in his bunk with dr erskine and erskine is like more than anything i want you to still be a good man and like all of this other stuff aside, all the the bad stuff aside, like all these other things, like it's not about strength. It's about being a good person. And that's what will make you great in this program. That's what that'll make you a hero. And having that, you know, that conversation with him, like I, I tear up every time I watch it now. Mm-hmm. Lo- I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so what you were saying about, uh, you know, nobody is inherently bad. This man is inherently good. You know, he's that he's that one guy who's always going to be the hero no matter what. Hmm. Yeah, that's another one of those scenes I thought about and wanted to and then ultimately settled on some others. But it's uh, it's definitely it is enough to bring a tear to your eye. Um, Just the the fact that Steve is himself a, a true hero and it's almost the the Hercules sort of mentality that he had to be, you know, had to be a true hero at heart to become a a physical hero and uh, in the traditional sense. And Steve Rogers is is a similar case, although he wasn't born a God, Um, but (laughs) he sort of became a God, um, you know, through being selected for his, his uh, goodwill. And you know that Steve would have dove into Hades too. Like that's exactly what he would have done. He totally would have done that. Absolutely. Um, I actually want to jump on a theme that Matthew brought up, which is the idea of Marvel breaking barriers and expectations of what a a comic book movie might look like or what we might see in a villain. And they did something very similar in Spider-Man Homecoming. And it was something that, that... took, took me so long to, not so long to realize, but, but totally took, left turn that um it did take a few extra seconds for it to sort of click with me um in the movie although i I understood it i had to like second guess and be like is is this what really happening um but that's the part where peter goes to pick up liz for prom and finds vulture um right there Mm -hmm. in the kitchen and you know again i saw that at first i'm thinking like is he holding them hostage like what's going on and then realizing that that's liz's dad um is is just such a a plot twist and it humanizes the villain it draws a complexity to the storyline of course and adds to peter's uh conflict of of what to do um and i think 
there was an audible gasp in the theater when that scene happened. Um, and it was one of my favorite moments from that movie. Um, and again, just kind of shows how Marvel's able to break expectations and for something as simple as a, um, or as, as done as a Spider-Man movie, which of course there are so many of them, um, they're able to, I think it's one of the things that made the movie so great was they just totally flipped it on itself and, and gave us a, a really amazing storyline. Yeah, that the car ride scene immediately following that, where yes. he's the the tense nature of that car ride with uh, Adrian Toomes and Spider Man, and and him and and Adrian Toomes slowly figuring out he's Spider Man. It's just it's amazing. Yeah, so it's it's kind of the classic dad with the shotgun scene in a way, <laughs> and then it slowly, yeah. <laughs> Dad, 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 sitting on the porch with a vulture suit. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... the only way to scare Spider Man from his property. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so that 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 one I had to put on my list as I was just thinking back. I just love that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew, what is next? You're number six. We're almost halfway. Uh, oh, I think I, I think it's seven. Oh, you're right. Me. It is number seven. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not doing math right. It's all good. Uh, number seven, yeah, I got Yondu's funeral. Oh, it, it like I couldn't. I almost didn't find a place for this one on my list because there's so it's it is such a smaller character moment. But sorry, my dog's barking. No, that's um, okay. Just, um, it's such a smaller character moment, but the uh, funeral for Yondu at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two. When Rocket Raccoon sees Yondu die, and he's sad uh, about it, but he's sad more for himself because throughout the movie they've connected Yondu and Rocket as like they kind of both are the character that push people away, that don't really, uh, that don't do a good job maintaining relationships, yep. and. They, they have that very direct conversation. And then at the end of the movie, Yondu sacrifices himself to save uh, the universe. And his friends come to give him a proper funeral after being estranged for many years. And Rocket seeing his friends come back and realizing it's possible that even though he's such a jerk to people, that people may still love him through, through, till, he, till his death. You know, People may still love him is he it's such a great it's such a beautiful moment it's i it's like an unexpected beautiful beautiful moment at the end of that movie yeah i think i think all of yondu's last moments you know through the funeral and everything those are the some of the more beautiful ones of like you know he he went against the the ravager code but you know he did come back from it he he took the kid in and him saying to peter like he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Like, oh god, it just and then him sacrificing himself to to give Peter the the suit, the shield, the bubble, whatever you want to call it, so that yeah. he could go up to the ship. Like, oh, oh, it kills me. Yeah, it's it's a classic redemption arc, but it's also th- through the eyes of Rocket that redemption means so much, and I just I love that. Yeah, yep, that's a great way to look at it too through that lens. <clears throat> Um, Jeff, I know you said before you, you gave your number seven and uh, skipped your number eight, So, but I'll let you go in any order you want. So what's next on your list? Oh, we're skipping another one just oh, because good. we're no, talking lo- about Guardians I, 2 I, now. I love, I love jumping around. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
you know, similar to what you were talking about, looking at something through another lens, um, in Guardians 2, when Mantis touches Drax's shoulder, when he's talking about his uh, how his kids used to play in, in, the, uh, <clears throat> in some ponds, I forget exactly where he's talking about, but he was, you know, he was remembering his family. And she touches his shoulder to kind of comfort him and just says, I have never felt such sorrow. And you've you've got this hulking just beast of a man who's sitting there stoic, and then she touches his shoulder to to take some emotion on, and just feels the most crushing sorrow and and loss of family ever. And you know, having her experience that, and just seeing him experiencing it, but you know, not really showing it at the same time, just it. Ugh. Yeah. It makes me well up with every word that I could possibly try to say about it, and none of them would would be enough. That's so good. Such a good one. Yeah. I I love it because we've seen him for two movies act completely. He talks about the pain his family has endured. And it's kind of the classic male trope of, uh, you know, their family has been killed, and now they're on a vengeance quest, and that's his character. And you know there's pain there, but it's like that manly, I don't show emotion thing. And it's more his char- his his race and his character seems to not show emotion like that. But then when she touches him and experiences it, you get to see it through a completely different character's like emotive ability. And she is almost always emotions, you know? It's just so awesome. It's just so so well done. James Gunn. James Gunn's my favorite. <laughs> he's he's pretty phenomenal um with with delivering these films um i, I mean all all of these directors are but uh but i i think i have to agree with you there um i'm i'm gonna stick with the 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 feel good uh mo- emotions here um okay. and go back to my second winter soldier moment it's the only other one i have for that film probably could have done 10 from that movie alone but <laughs> this is when at the end of the film um, you know, Steve, in the middle of the film, that's just another thing that could have been a moment. Maybe it's on your list, but the, the whole reveal of who the Winter Soldier is 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 pretty amazing. Um, but then at the end of the film, when Steve and and uh, Bucky are are fighting, and uh, you know, Steve refuses to fight, and he he's doing everything he can to help Bucky realize who he really is, and the fact that he's being essentially brainwashed to be the Winter Soldier and to be this machine. Um, and Steve constantly just trying to break through and then finally, uh, you know, takes out that line I'm with you until the end of the line, which is what Bucky says in the first Captain America um, after Steve's, uh, you know, mother's funeral in the first film. Um, I think that and then Bucky sort of realizing in, in some even subconscious way, even if he doesn't know who Steve is, just that that line meaning something to him and coming back to him um, is like, I'm getting chills just talking about it now. And it was one of those moments that it's enough to bring it to your eye. And it's just a sign of, of deep connected friendships and even beyond that family. And, um, you know, sort of a brotherly love that, that even despite brainwashing and, and years decades of separation, technically, you know, just came back to him. And that's one of my favorite moments from the film. Yep. Uh, it's a great moment. Really, really great moment. Um, the, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, their whole relationship is so cool and how it how it develops from the very first movie. And that's uh, that that moment, but also moments in, in Endgame. And, and when they just, uh, you know, d- draw back on that very first well 
Uh, and of course, of course, in Civil War, his protecting him. It, it just, I, I really like, I really like the Winter Soldier and uh, Captain America relationship. And that's a great moment, Matthew. Yep. Yep. Or Matt, sorry. That's right. <laughs> I go by either one. <laughs> I introduce myself as Matthew on the show. So either I'm, I'm comfortable with either one. Um, but Matthew, what is your next one? Uh, I, this, I just had to include this. Uh, so a lot of my list is trying to get in different types of moments, I guess, because there's so many different, like I could name my top 10 comedy moments and my top 10 exciting moments or whatever. But like, this is just a splash page that we, I never thought we'd see on screen. And that is the battle of New York in general, the entire battle of New York, (laughs) but the hero shot in battle of New York where the camera spins around our six heroes and we see them, you know, in all their glory, the Avengers finally assembled. And, and it's just that entire scene. There's another shot in that, in that battle where the entire, uh, the camera moves from each of the Avengers, uh, in, in a one shot manner. Yeah. The one and goes from one character to the other, to the other flying around New York city. Like not even, it's not like the camera is on the ground. It's going up to the top of the buildings, then down to the bottom, and there it shows all of the characters fighting. Just that entire scene is one of the best, uh, most amazing action sequences ever filmed. Honestly, that yeah. was my number three. Oh, oh. Yep. nice. Yeah, got it out Just, a little early. <laughs> having it, uh, having them all all on the screen and you know not just the the you know the camera movement going from one to the next to the next uh that one also showed teamwork in in every situation when it got to a new person you know whoever was entering that scene usually iron man uh was helping you know the other person in some way and there was it was showing that they were finally formed as a team as the avengers and and really like just showed how much heroes can do when they work together instead of just being solo. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> great point. It's actually, <clears throat> so, um, I think that was our first of uh, 15 answers, essentially, or 14 answers that we have a repeat, which just goes to show how many moments are in the MCU. But uh, I actually, so far you guys have not stolen any mind, which is, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I feel like my, I, I look to you guys as the experts. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe I should have picked different answers, but no, um, no, man, I, you, <laughs> that's, you love what you love. These are, these are very, per, these are very personal answers. Yeah. I mean, like, especially, honestly, I think especially the first half of our list, like the bottom half, as it were, I think they're all going to be a little more varied because we're, they're, they're more like the personal ones that I just squeaked onto the list. Cause I love them, you know? Yeah. I think we'll probably have more crossover in this last half. I'm sure oh, we I, will. I absolutely know we will. <laughs> so yep. uh, speaking of that, Jeff, well, I know you, you know Matthew's still your number three, but what is uh, your, I guess, top half or bottom half, however we want to look at it, of the of the list? The last one. Uh, let's see. The one that I kept skipping over um, is, you know, that, that teamwork that I talked about, right? In Cap 3, when we finally get Spider-Man, uh, joining the MCU, it's such a fun, uh, a fun moment where he, you know, flips over, takes the shield. Hi everyone, Cap, you know, big fan. But then in <laughs> in the fight at the airport, when he's uh, he's got the web attached to Rhodey and Rhodey's flying along, and then you see Spider-Man just kind of swinging on him behind him. Yeah, <laughs> just seeing that teamwork and him like Spider-Man saying like, "You remember that that really old movie 
uh, Empire Strikes Back with the walking thingies. And <laughs> yep. they ask, how old is this guy? I didn't carbon date him. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, good comedy moments in there, but there's also really good teamwork in there. Uh, and, and Spider-Man finally getting to join the MCU, like all of these things combining into this one gigantic moment of, of a set piece. Right. Mm-hmm. It was so good. So much fun. Well, as you predicted, you just stole my number five, which is the ha! airport fight. Uh, <laughs> so, so let me, I guess I'll say my piece as well. I, yeah. I, you talked about teamwork uh, with the battle in New York. I think this is where we really start to, not only teamwork, but this is another huge splash page moment, the airport fight. But it's there's complexity emotionally because our, our heroes are going against each other. So you're not even sure who you're rooting for. And they not only use teamwork, but they really use their powers in fun ways. Yep. And they use their powers in fun ways, both complementary and going against each other. I love when Ant-Man, when Hawkeye fires Ant-Man at Iron Man so he can get inside his suit. Like that's yes. three, you, oh, oh, just a great way of using all three of their powers. Um, and, uh, yeah, the airport fight is an amazing sequence, just the entire thing. Yeah. I, again, did not have that on my list, but I love that scene too. I love anything that Spider-Man is in, to be honest. Um, I thought Tom (laughs) Holland has just, has done an amazing job as, as playing Peter Parker and Spider-Man, um, has funny moments, has redeeming moments, has, has, uh, some epic moments in there too. Uh, so the airport scene, it almost made my list, but it, it didn't, uh, it didn't quite make it there. Um, I will, to round off the top of my list, go to Thor Ragnarok, which also has amazing moments. I was tempted to think of something with uh, Jeff Goldblum, because he's <laughs> just an amazing, amazing character in there. But uh, I think the one that, breaking the fourth wall a little bit, is one of my favorite moments in hindsight is he's a friend from work when Thor says that to Hulk in, in, in the arena because it's hilarious and because in the trailer that made me I think everybody else kind of realize what type of film this was going to be and uh, you know about, when we talked about earlier about just Thor's personality and uh, the, fu- the amazingly hilarious things he has to say it's it's hilarious but it's also um, you know pretty honest that he's he's uh, in, in the fact that he's thinking now that Hulk's going to recognize him and they're not going to fight and everything's going to be okay. Um, but the thing that the reason it made my list was when I learned that it, the line actually came from a make a wish child who was visiting the set and that it became such an iconic line and such an iconic moment, but came from essentially a fan and they, you know, the, the kid basically said at that moment when they're filming that scene that, you know, you should say he's a friend from work and they ended up, including that line in there. Um, I thought it was great yeah, to so include cool. it and that it, it was a great tribute to this this child and shows that Marvel definitely also listens to their fans. And um, this was something that they even brought. And they, and, and they didn't they didn't tout it. Like, they didn't just use that to say, like, hey, we, you know, we had to make a wish kid come to the set that recommended this line and, and you should go see it for this reason. Like, they did not mention it at all. It only surfaced later. Um, and I thought that was a really... Um, you know, classy move to make as well. Um, and so that for, for those reasons, it, it had to make it onto my list. Yeah. That's also yeah, a, a really that. Taika line too. Like Taika Waititi has that sort of humor <laughs> to where like, he'll just, you know, it's all serious. And so, uh, and then, 
he just flips it with this one line of like, yeah. oh, you know, where did that come from? It's hilarious, but where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> that whole yeah. movie, it, it's it's also up there for me in my in my favorites. Like I watched that movie over and over again. It's just so much fun. Well, Such a fun when movie. You, when you said Ragnarok, my first thought uh, was when Korg introduced himself. He's oh, like, yeah. hi, I'm Korg, made of rocks. Don't let that scare you unless you made of scissors. A little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's it was it was close to making it there too. I had to push this one ahead of it, but I I was tempted to put anything he says in. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's dead. <laughs> um, oh, Meek, Meek's yeah, alive. Meek, yeah. <laughs> Look, everybody. <laughs> hey, Mim, we're gonna get on this big spaceship. Get out of here. You want to come too? <laughs> Your impression is spot so on, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, it is real good. Um, yeah. So overall great top half of the list or bottom half however we want to look at it um i know we have a couple of answers that were stolen and um matthew i know you said your number five was the civil war airport scene so i guess what's your number four uh well my number four and this is going to be a controversial one i feel Uh, like uh the snap that was the snap you stole one of mine oh did i yes you Uh, did i love it uh, where'd you? Uh, well, I guess you didn't necessarily number your list, but I, I yeah, sorry, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a process guy. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> the snap, I I really, it's just, I mean, Which it's snap? classic. It's the first snap, the the the, the one that Thanos is snap. Yeah. Um, the end of Infinity War because it is. I mean, it's up there with the most iconic movie moments of all time. You, you think of like, I mean, it's it's their Empire Strikes Back moment. You know, it's the it's yep. the Luke, I am your father. Cut off Luke's hand, and that was a dark that was a dark ending for Star Wars. Like that was a really dark like way to end that movie. This was way darker to have <laughs> such a like such a big budget you know fun movie and have it end in such a dark place. Because you know, and and yes, you know, they they have a part two coming. So da da da. But like, it was such a dark and epic moment, and it left you going, like, I, I it left it left you speechless. You know, yep. in the theaters, absolutely. And and I I've seen I saw it a couple times in theaters, and every time when they <laughs> the the end of the movie, I think it's after the credits, maybe they have the Avengers logo come up, and then it dusts. Ah, too soon. Like the character, everyone in the theater goes, no, it's too soon. <laughs> like that happened in both showings I watched. And I just love that they like, they did something so iconic and so heartrending that they could like have this, have the, the credits do the same thing at the end. And everyone's like, everyone gets mad almost at whoever made that credit. I just, I, I love the snap. It, it's horrible. It's not my favorite moment necessarily, but it is a top moment for sure. It's, it's definitely an impactful one. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't number my list to your point, but it did make, it, it would have been one of the top ones. And it's for a lot of the reasons you mentioned and including the fact that it's, it, it is so dark. And I think Marvel gets a reputation for being sometimes, I guess, campy or, um, you know, a little, although they do have dark moments, you know, a little more 
kid-friendly and light-hearted and DC's got the the darker undertones and the darker moments but I thought this was a really dark way to end an Avengers movie with something mm-hmm. like that and just have this screen that's actually one of my favorite moments we've talked about soundtracks before and I've talked specifically about um, I think the song is called Porch but it's literally the scene at the end of the movie where Thanos is resting on what he's just done um, sitting on the front porch watching um, I guess it's the sunset and and realizing that at least in that moment the villain has won that's the end of the movie um, yeah and it's, it's crazy it's so and I it's funny we were with a few family members who knew it was going to be a big movie who didn't necessarily know that much about Marvel but enough that they could go and see it and didn't realize this was kind of a part one to <laughs> the Infinity War and they're like that's how they ended the movie that's so dark how could you know how could Disney do that and we're like no 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 like it's it's gonna be okay it's just it's gonna be okay right yeah. it was always weird right but <laughs> you know those people are exactly I think why they took the part one yeah. off of it because originally it was called Infinity Part War Part 1 and 2 right or that's what they announced it as and then they changed it to Infinity War and Endgame. And I think that was like exactly the kind of people they were like, if we call it part one, some people aren't going to come. Right. Because <laughs> they're going to realize it's a it's half a story. So let's just call it Infinity War. And those they, they got tricked by that. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, when you do have a villain in, at the end of a movie have a leg up, it's, it's very much like a, the villain having the upper hand, not necessarily being at the end of the battle. But mm-hmm. it really is, you know, eventually, essentially, Avengers have to go back in time to make anything change. So it really is, a, you know, in sort of a, a, a continuous timeline that Thanos has, has won that. And um, I thought that was a bold move for, for a, a, any type of movie, um, and especially a Marvel movie. Yeah. I like, though, I like, though, in Endgame, they did go back in time, but they didn't undo that snap rather they didn't you know they didn't make that whole movie worth nothing you know the the effects are still there these people have still been without you know half of their the population for five years and there's still sacrifice that has to be made in order to get the stones and and to bring them back to the future back to the future no different (laughs) different franchise (laughs) to to bring them back to their timeline and um and you know actually use them like there was there were consequences and sacrifices that had to be made and it still did not completely you know eliminate all of the conflict of the first movie like that masterful masterful craftsmanship this is not on my list, but I don't. I, I doubt it made anybody's list. But when in Endgame, when they flash five years later on the screen, oh yeah, it's just such a great moment because you just kind of assume after the way Infinity War ends that they're just going to start back up and they're going to stop whatever happened or reverse it or whatever. It's just going to continue the battle they're already in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're going to go find Thanos on that planet and get that glove back, and that's what they try to do. That's, what, that's how the movie seems like it's going to go. And then it just goes five years later. And you're like, yeah. oh, our characters have experienced five more years of pain and loss. Yeah. Like all of these characters are irreparably changed. Uh, and I just, yeah, it's so good. It's just I, so well done. I remember when we were talking about it, uh, you know, in the lead up to that movie, we were like, you know, they go to the they go to the planet. We obviously they're going to go and lose because Thanos is so you know big and beefy. We never at at any point talked about what if they go to that planet and win. 
what if they win the fight against Thanos? But, you know, what what happens then? And then that's exactly what they did is they went and they won. But he had already kept them from, you know, just getting the stones and using them again. Mm-hmm. And then they had to they had to sit there with it and and just kind of wallow in their own grief. And, you know, mm-hmm. even Cap says, you know, I tell everybody to move on, but, you know, not us. We're still in that fight. We don't move on. It yep. makes it makes the whole thing a lot more real. <laughs> yeah. And more more relevant and relatable to, to what happens in real life, I think. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, obviously it's complete fiction, but <laughs> the, 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 the pain and the suffering, you know, things aren't as easily reversible and we still have to deal with, uh, you know, we never can reverse what happens, but we can deal and manage it and 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 go from there um so i think that's who so that was matthew that said that right so yep. jeff what's your i'm like trying to go back that was a, that was a great discussion yeah, there. That was, jeff, sorry, jeff that was, yeah that was like a five minute one sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> no it was great it was i mean it's a really important moment um jeff what's the number five i guess on your list uh well you know having just talked about cap this is a great time to uh to, to talk about him again uh, he has that that sticking point of you know not moving on he doesn't move on from his friends who uh you know get brainwashed by the russians and yep. <laughs> become assassins uh my my moment next is uh, the street fight in cap 2 when you know he's like this this fight this scene really everything that chris evans is in is so wonderfully acted but you know this is cap having to uh, to deal with things on the fly his world is crumbling around him and then his best friend shows up as as a villain and he's just in such shock and you can see every moment every beat in that movie or every beat in that scene uh, where something else is discovered that is that is shocking you can see it on his face and it registers and you're like oh cap's hurting Cap is emotionally hurting right now. He's in a struggle. This is he's on his he's on his heels. He's being beaten back to the ropes. How's he going to get out of this? this? Just that whole thing of of seeing this you know great hero who we think is going to be you know on top of everything and he's going to come right back and sock Hydra in the jaw. He doesn't. He doesn't. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's definitely a great great addition as well like i said winter soldier has just so many moments that we can throw in there um and uh, i'm glad you threw an extra one in there too because that's that's another one that would have been on my list if we stuck with that movie um i'm going to for buy number five jump to something i guess similar to the snap um but talking about through a different lens i you know, in, in in this phase between Infinity War and Endgame, they hinted at the snap in a few different ways. But I thought one of my favorites was the post credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, oh, man. These characters are, you know, somewhere totally, uh, totally different. And there's this whole you could just see the timeline aligning and. There's this battle going on in Wakanda. They're on the other side of the earth. They have no idea what's going on. And just doing a very simple um, or relatively simple mission, um, you know, Scott goes into the quantum realm and, you know, calls calls to be uh, taken back out and gets no response. And they just cut to Hank 
um, and hope just vanishing in the snap. And I, I remember watching that film and like, again, you talk about goosebumps, like I, I just got these goosebumps going down my spine as, as sort of building up this hype for Endgame and what's to come, but really bringing these two universes within the Marvel Cinematic Universe together um, and uh, and just, it goes to show how uh, so, like something again, like totally on the other side of the world had an impact um and the entire universe and and uh that that connection was just such a um a chilling moment for me yeah it was a it was a scary one because ant-man and the wasp was so much just fun plucky fun yeah and this was right after the just completely out of the blue dour ending of infinity war and we were like okay this you know lighter movie it's gonna be you know, it's just a heist, you know, it's heist part two, because right. that's what Ant-Man does. And we can just kind of forget what happened. Oh, no, they they made us remember what happened. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. they broke this world, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. Matthew said that. Uh, all right. We, we already Seems passed like we one. Three this left. Is, right? Yeah, this would be your number three. And then I guess if you want to throw in a backup in there as well, um, you can. But what is uh, what is the next one on your list? Oh, it's all good. We, I think that I think we've all had one uh, get yeah. called out, so we That's should have true. three each, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah, I have three left. Um, so let's see. I am going to go with, and the the fact that this uh, was an improvised line uh, is one of the reasons I think this is amazing. But Iron Man one, <gasps> I am Iron Man when he says that at the the conference the. TV conference or whatever, press conference, that's what I'm looking for. Um, uh, when he says, I am Iron Man, and tells the world that he's Iron Man, because for a number of reasons, I think that's an amazing moment. Um, it, it kicked off the MCU in, a, in just a different direction than any superhero thing had ever been. Secret identities, up until Iron Man 1, secret identities were an important part of a superhero story like every superhero story before that had had secret identities and i'm i think i'm pretty accurate in saying that like they're very i can't think of any that don't have a secret identity and iron man one said you know what no i'm iron man and it's just like it blew my mind it's a great way to end but uh it also is perfect for the character his narcissism i love the lead up to it he's like you bodyguard he 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 looks at the beautiful woman and he's in the front row. He's like, "You think that I am some sort of hero that I would be doing this?" And he's like, "That is that would hero. be." <laughs> well, he says, "Because that would be kind of amazing." <laughs> <laughs> and then he and then he goes, and fantastic, uh, and that would be fantastic. That would be ridiculous and fantastic. <laughs> I am Iron Man, and. <laughs> So good. It's just such a great way to end that movie, but it also sets up a universe where we have almost no one with a secret identity. Yeah. Um, the the one character that did have a secret identity, which is a Spider Man, uh, just got revealed in his last movie. Like I think they've realized that that trope of a secret identity was something that every movie had had like pains to keep, and I think that in the MCU they realized secret identities aren't important. They're kind of annoying. Like, let's just boring. get to the fun. Yeah, it's kind of boring to constantly have to worry about who you are and who knows and who doesn't. Let's just let the secret identities out. And I, and I think that's such a cool thing. But the fact that it's improvised is is awesome. 
Um, apparently that was not in the script and it like set up the entire universe on a different course, which I love. <laughs> you know, I can think of, uh, one other franchise that has done that, uh, in the past where they have had the heroes just be out as the, as the heroes that they are. And that's fantastic Four. Oh yeah, that's true. If you remember, they were, uh, they were basically celebrities in that. Right. And that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, that aspect was a little bit of fun. You know, they didn't have to worry about the identities and everything, but you know, the rest of that movie really didn't deliver. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I have to say, I Am Iron Man is my number two. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, and, and he says it one other time, and it's, uh, well, a couple other times. But uh, the, I, the, the the process of this is amazing. So he, he, um, he improvised that line on the first Iron Man movie. Yep. And they, they went with it. They just ran with it for... 12 years of movie making which is insane uh and then do you guys know the story behind the last snap i am iron man and then he snaps i know they did it i don't know what the story is behind it they didn't that was not in the script it was not improvised on set even it was in the editing bay the editor of the movie was like he says i am inevitable iron man should say something here and it's just such a great bookend from the first Iron Man to the last thing he says that I just thought it was the plan all along, but it turns out like an editor on the movie was like, he should say, I am Iron Man there, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they brought Robert Downey Jr. back in for a reshoot where all he did was that one line to add in I am Iron Man as his final line. Oh man, a lot of makeup work went into that too. Yeah, they apparently had to go to him and be like, so... Uh, we know you thought you were all done, but we the, the editor had this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> the editor had this great idea. How about another 50 G's uh, to come in today? <laughs> come, come in for one day. Just say Crazy. this one line, please. It's I, just such a love perfect book in his character. Sorry, go ahead. No, no I, 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 I agree with you. I think that's the perfect way to end it. I did not know the story behind it. Um, again, Marvel listens <laughs> to it. Yeah. Fans, editors, whoever they might be. Yeah, whoever has the best idea. idea. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, way, to, way to do it, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, you look back, it's the, it's the one line that, like, more than anything, launched a, a whole very successful franchise of, you know, the MCU. It's It was the, the pivotal moment in that movie where everybody's like, holy crap, that's what they did? Are you kidding me? That's where we go now? Yeah. And... It's it's just been a wild ride since then. I have to agree with you there. Great, great number three. Um, What's man. your number three? So Matt. you're asking me, right? Yeah, because yeah, I got. Did we skip? You know, I got skipped. Yeah, that's true. Um, what was I? So I didn't really go in order too much, but kind of like categorize them. I'm trying to think which one I want to go to next. I actually think I do know. Um, it is Iron Man. I did consider Iron Iron Man, but then I actually took it off because I felt like one, someone else is going to say it. Um, and two, I was thinking, is there another moment in Iron Man that to me feels iconic or is, is defining of, of Tony Stark in some way? Um, I think Iron, I am Iron Man is probably the number one there, but another one that is iconic to me is the, him building the first Iron Man suit. And he's, ha- I think that begins his journey, um, his, his character development. He, for the most part, is 
uh, in many ways, just like, you know, his dad, Howard Stark, and is continuing to build this empire of, of uh, essentially destruction and um, or capitalizing on, on war and destruction and him getting, you know, being his life being personally put at risk and him having to use his skill to not build a weapon, although that was what he was tasked to do, but to build his way out of that situation, um, using a lot of the materials to build weapons and how there's there's a lot of, I think... Um, symbolism there and in in the fact that you can use the same sort of um, skill set and and um, knowledge and put it to different uses and up until that point his his uh, you know mission had been to um, you know create defensive weapons for the you know for nations particularly the United States um, but then when he realizes what it's really being used for um, you know he totally shifts his mentality and then him building that first Iron Man suit, I think, is the first step to making that happen. It also shows his, how crafty Tony really is. Um, and then him emerging with what's essentially like an archaic, um, really scrappy Iron Man suit that still nobody else could put together. Um, and then going back home and, and building the first like high-tech version of that is, is for me, a very iconic part and what what sort of set out also the uh, the MCU in a certain direction. Um, but for me, I love that scene. Yeah. You saying the uh, that his, his wits could be put to use, you know, not just for weapons, made me think of the first Thor movie when Odin was talking about Mjolnir, uh, saying it's, its power has no equal as a weapon to destroy or a tool to build. Right. Which we've never really seen him use it as a tool to build. <laughs> yeah, we haven't really like we haven't seen him like you know working on a house, you know putting that together, driving nails with it or anything. <laughs> That'll be the Disney Plus offshoot series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like a like a home improve not home improvement, you extreme know, like home a, makeover Thor edition. Yeah, like extreme home maker <laughs> Thor edition. Like yeah, <laughs> Thor is really good at the demo part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need this wall removed. <laughs> Or now what? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Wrong wall, Thor. Wrong wall. <laughs> ah, let's just let's just do all of them. <laughs> um, Matthew, are we up to number two for you? I'm trying. I'm I'm trying. Yeah, I've, to go- got, I've got two left, and okay. I think I think Jeff, you should have two left too. You want to go next? Yeah. Or have you, that was yours, right, Matt? That was mine. Yeah. Uh, and so next would be uh, you do one, Jeff, because otherwise I might get your other one. You know, I know I skipped you. I doubt that you've got my number one. I very seriously doubt it. Mm, okay. Well, well, okay. I, I guess I'll go with my number two. Go for uh, it. My, my number two is uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, number one, uh, when Cap jumps on the grenade. Oh. When he's before his – this goes pretty well with your Erskine uh, moment earlier. Yeah. It happens right after. But when, when – um, the the what's the general fellow or whatever the the, uh, the commanding general officer. Tommy Lee Jones General Tommy Lee Jones that's right that's the character's <laughs> name um, when he flips the fake grenade throws it on the ground and without a moment to think about it Captain America jumps on that grenade yep. I purposely avoided this scene because I knew you would have it on your list yes it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire MCU uh, for obviously uh, but it, it's just it it's the care it's it the the I am Iron Man moment I chose that one because it's the found it's a foundational moment for Tony this is a foundational moment for Cap he's 
even before he has his powers, he is fully willing to sacrifice himself to do the right thing because he sees he wants to do whatever he can to help the war effort. That's his entire mentality through that movie. And he sees all these other men around him who are going to go do their part for the war. And he knows it's a long shot for him to ever get to do anything for the war. And he's just willing to jump on that grenade to save the other men. While these other bigger men jump out of the way, he dives on it immediately. I just, man, I, I love it. I love it so much. Yep. That's it's, truly uh, an excellent moment. Yeah, that's that's Cap for you, though. He's He's got that heart. Yeah, as I'm looking at my list, I'm realizing that my last two have to do with Cap. So <laughs> he's clearly he's clearly got some amazing moments in here. I think he's made almost half my list. Um, Jeff, were we up to your number three? Because I know you're. Oh no, your number four. Because I think we had your number three and your number two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, this would be my number four uh, that I'm saying is the second to last. Right. <laughs> it's it's a good one though. It's a good one. Um, I know that Matt's gonna like it too. Uh, it's uh, Dormammu. I've come to bargain. That was one of my backups. Ooh. I love that part too. Yes. Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah. That whole, like this is this is the the Marvel subverting expectations thing. You know, we had Black Panther. We had uh, the the villain winning the moral argument. In here, we had the hero not killing, not like fighting and defeating the the enemy, but trapping him in a, a chess game. Or, you know, whatever, a, a battle of wits, a battle of will that he just cannot escape until he has to give up and let our hero and the world go. It's just, it's so different from every other superhero or really any uh, villain or, you know, any kind of conflict movie like this where mm-hmm. you know, there's just a big fight usually. But that right. wasn't this. That wasn't no. this at all. Instead of instead of fighting to win, the hero decides to lose forever. Yeah. Yep. It's so good. Yep. It's and then we still we still got the like the crazy awesome visual effects that would have come with, you know, a big fight like that with Dormammu using all of these different methods to try to to try to defeat him and it just resets the time loop over and over again. It's just so great. So great. I love that. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolism there about sort of ego death or dying to yourself or whatever, whatever religious background you come from. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, symbolism there about him, uh, especially him being the surgeon who seems pretty narcissistic through the whole movie, deciding to, that he is willing to purely sacrifice himself to die over and over and over again to stop Dormammu. It's really, really great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really tossed, great choice. I'm really tossed between my last two. They're from the same movie, involve the same character. And I honestly think I would put these in a different order. But um, I'm, I'm going to go to my number one, just because I think my number two is more appropriate to end on. Um, you guys might even say it. But my number one is uh, in Endgame, <clears throat> when... You would think it would be when Cap uh, grabs Mjolnir. Uh, I, for me, that's that's a great moment, but expected. What I love more is Thor's response in saying, "I knew it." I knew it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's it's funny and it's very in character for Thor. But I think it does two things. One, it in a, in some way calls back to. Um, 
we haven't even talked about much was Avengers Age of Ultron when Cap you know everyone's in a challenge to try to try to pick it up and then Cap kind of moves it a little bit and you almost wonder if he intentionally just didn't even though he he knew he could um but so it, it could call back to that the fact that Thor knew going all the way back to Age of Ultron that that uh, that Steve was was worthy of of having that power, but I also think it is the audience's response too, and yep. that to me is the the beauty of that line is it it has at least those three prongs to it of being funny, um, you know, calling back to something earlier and revealing what the audience in that moment is thinking too. Uh, you know, we all knew that was happening, that that was going to happen, that, that Steve is as worthy as Thor of, of, of wielding, uh, wielding that hammer. Um, and for me, that's, uh, again, why it was the definitely the top of my list and probably the number one moment for me. Uh, lo- I love, I love that moment. It's very close to my number one, actually. Um, one moment that didn't make my list, but also involves Mjolnir is vision lifting Milnir yes and just handing it handing it to uh Thor nonchalant (laughs) I it's one of the best you're you're gonna need this let's go we have to go now Thor's like yeah that settles it for me I love it I love it they're all wondering if they can trust him and then he just hands Thor Milnir it's like the biggest mic drop ever it's so good (laughs) um a lot of people don't like Age of Ultron, and I know it had its problems here, here and there. But man, rewatching it, it is a great movie. It is a really, really great movie, and that's one of the best moments. Yeah, I love it too. Um, so actually, Matthew, I think we're up to your number one. My number one, my last one. Uh, I don't know if anybody will have this one. It, it, like I said, it's right there, close to that one you just said. Um, mine is Avengers Assemble, and in, in the final fight with Thanos, I consider oh. that one too. Yeah, uh, and, and, and that entire moment, not just Avengers Assemble. Like it's great that you get the comics nod of him finally actually saying Avengers Assemble, but and and it feels right. It doesn't even feel it doesn't feel wrong. It doesn't feel campy when he says it yeah, because it it's feel just shoehorned in. There's such a flood of emotion going on from the moment you hear on your left, which is the first line that Falcon ever or he ever said to Falcon. <laughs> um, in, I considered in adding that Winter one. Winter Soldier. Oh, it's such a great moment. It's such a great moment, and it's such a great callback. And then on your left, just coming over the radio on your left, and then the portals opening, and then all these characters flooding in, and him saying "Avengers, assemble!" Bam! Oh, it's so good. It's just it. It's one of the best moments of cinema of all time. But again, it kind of a, it's a cheat because it's using twenty-two movies to culminate in that moment. It's not even that fight, but that exact moment culminates all these movies into this one beautiful, beautiful phrase. Yeah. Well, that's, that was the idea of it. This That film was that, that payoff to 22 movies, to 12 years, I'm sorry, to uh, 11 years of movie buildup and, and having, you know, the last one, in the Avengers series, you know, Avengers Iron, uh, Infinity War, God, um, in Infinity War, <laughs> having that, that, that heartbreak at the end, having that, you know, we got everybody back moment. We got all of the toys on the, on the, on the field, you know, let's dump out the toy box and see, you know, there, there was even that, that call, uh, or not the call, but the, the talk between Dr. Strange and Wong when he's like, is that everybody? It's like, you wanted more. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit to us as well. Like, 
how could you like look at everything we've got look at everything we've done everything we've built it's all here like there's so much for you to have right here like let's let's let this happen and then we're going to give you some more after it <laughs> yeah absolutely uh I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, and they kind of, you know, they even tease, tease it out a little bit um, with, with, you know, at the, at the end of, Oh my God, what movie was that? Was that, uh, was that the first Avengers? No. When, when cap says Avengers and then they cut to black. Oh, uh, that he was says, Age of Ultron. Uh, it was Age of yeah, Ultron. Age yeah. Of Ultron. Um, yeah. Like they, they kind of tease it out. And then finally, after 11 years, we, we finally hear it. <laughs> um, yep. So I love it. Jeff, what is your, you said, I think you were the one that also said we, you know, we want to know your number one. So what do you have as your number one? There's no way you had my number one on your, on your list because it is very personal uh, for me. Um, It was at the end of Iron Man two, the, the one moment in this entire universe that has made me leap out of my seat, screaming in joy was the reveal of Thor's hammer Mjolnir when um, Agent Coulson is on the phone, he says, sir, we found it. And then it pans over Thor's hammer and then ends. In that moment, I leapt out of my seat in the theater. Like everybody erupted, you know, excited. But I jumped up just, oh, yeah, is so happy. <laughs> it was this promise that I was going to get, you know, this character. And the, the hammer looked perfect. Like as a prop, it looked exactly like what I would have expected it to look like, you know, coming into the into the movies. Everything was just beautifully done with that one snippet. And it was it was this promise of greatness, you know. And that's it's like I said, it's a very personal moment that nobody else is going to have on their list. You're right. <laughs> but I can understand, especially um, how much you love Thor. It's. It's. I, I would be feeling the exact same way, and it would easily make my list if I if I had that affinity for Thor too. I'd be. I love Thor, but um, you know, he's not my favorite character, so I I can see that easily being on your list for sure. It's like, oh my gosh, this is gonna start. We're gonna do it. We're gonna have Thor. Like it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening, everybody. It's happening. <laughs> Hands waving in the air. Yep. That's that's what I was doing. Well, I'm very then, glad. No, go ahead. Sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I went back uh, in the theaters to see Iron Man two, three more times oh, wow. uh, trying to get a picture of that, you know, at the end on my phone so that I could have it as my phone background. Oh. <laughs> Don't let the theater know. No, that's, oh, that's awesome. Statute of limitations. Did you, did, yeah, no, did, did you, did you even, um, did you, so did you end up getting it? Oh, I got it. Yeah. Oh, I got good, the good, perfect good. shot. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I love all the, the end credit scenes sometimes make the movie. Um, obviously, one of them made my list too, uh, but I'm I'm happy I I saved my number two for last because I think it's the right way to end this. Um, and my number two is is from Endgame. Like I said, I, I have two two from Endgame, two two involving Cap, and my number two is a very simple one. It's Steve and Peggy dancing at the end of Endgame. Oh, I yeah. think no. the simplicity of it and. I feel like so many people can connect with it. It's a, essentially, you know, it's a story of a, you know, two people who love each other just through circumstances that most people would not go through. Um, you never end up uh, being together or the timing isn't right or whatever might happen. But 
Steve sacrifices so much for others, and it's over this, the course of 11 years, and we see his character continue to push selflessly for others time and time again, um, despite his own personal interests. It's so in character for him to just put that all aside, and for him to be able to, to go back and have his happy ending, um, you know, tie it back into to that love story is, uh, you know, like a chilling, beautiful, moving way to end um, Cap's uh, journey and arc. I thought Iron Man had a great arc, and and I loved seeing that play out over those 11 years, but to see Steve's arc, too, and, and him get his happy ending after all that is just so beautiful to me. I'm confused. You said that there was a situation or a scenario that most people won't go through. Are you saying that you have never gone back in time to try to defeat <laughs> an alien genocidal genius funny story i was frozen in ice once (laughs) (laughs) but that's a tale for another episode (laughs) yeah i haven't revealed that to my to my listeners yet um i mean i do live in new york so it's it's common to feel frozen in ice sometimes but in the winter (laughs) but (laughs) no never literally yeah for me it was just uh i thought it was a beautiful moment yep that's awesome um Totally agree. And actually, that's funny. I asked my girlfriend uh, before we went on this. It's like, what are your favorite Marvel moments? What's your top Marvel moments? In case I'm missing something, just blind spot. And that was the first one she said. Um, so it almost made my list because like, oh, that is a really great moment. Yeah. But I, I ended up using other things. It's a little cheesy, but I, I think it's uh, it, it, for, again, it just it, not so much the moment itself, but the, 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 the culmination of Cap's journey is really what made it on the list for me. Absolutely. I love it because it's that as soon as he gets out of the ice, they ask him what's up. And he's like, I had a date. Yeah. (laughs) It's just I had a date. Yeah. And then he finally gets to gets to go for go on that date Mm -hmm. 10 years later. Yeah. So perfect. Anyway, we've made it to our list. It only took us uh, an hour and a half. Not bad. So <laughs> <laughs> that's usually how these go. I, they it, just the discussion is is usually what makes these conversations so much fun, and you know more than just a, a list. But it was you guys. You know, I I, I was um, yeah, obviously we hadn't really met prior to this podcast discussion except an email. But I had a feeling that you would be the perfect two for this episode, and uh, I, I think it's safe to say I was right. You guys were amazing i loved your answers you have so much knowledge about this and i definitely want to encourage the listeners to go and listen to your show so plug away where can people go to follow you well it's the marvel cinematic universe podcast uh and it's wherever you get podcasts wherever you listen to this it's there uh the marvel cinematic universe podcast um and just search your podcatcher for that uh you can go to mcucast.com if you just want to know like where all our socials and all that stuff's on there most of it's at mcucast in most places uh but if you're if you're looking mcucast.com is where we are um and if you're if you're you know it's it's may this if this is going out may 1st or may 2nd uh this is black widow just dropped and we have just dropped an episode (laughs) i'm telling the future right now but we have just dropped an episode (laughs) about black widow and if everything goes well i'm also working on a black widow album that will be dropping on the podcast as we go so uh over the course of those few weeks leading up to black widow so that's all we're having a lot of fun over there in the future yeah i i'm um by the time this episode is out i'm going to be listening back to your episode about black widow and hopefully we'll have seen it opening day as well yes yeah we we try to go see them open i think i don't know if we've ever missed except for ant-man i missed ant-man because i was in alaska but uh uh or ant-man the wasp but we we try every time an our marvel movie comes out the day 
the day day and date like we record as soon as we go see the midnight showing or whatever so or the seven o'clock showing nowadays what's up with that now they they say it comes out on friday but it comes out at like seven o'clock on thursday that's weird and, right? yeah but it makes it easier for me to go though yeah i'm <laughs> okay with that yeah <laughs> um well I'll, I'll include all those links in the show notes but matthew and jeff thank you both so much um, for coming on to the show. Um, and I guess the appropriate way to to say goodbye is Excelsior. Yeah, until Excelsior. next time, true <laughs> believers. <laughs> and with that, we close out episode 75 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a very special thank you once again to Matt and Jeff for coming on to the show and lending their opinions about some of their favorite Marvel moments from the MCU. As I had hoped and expected, they had really delivered on providing some fantastic opinions and some of the moments I never would have even thought of or, or added to my list, so I was really happy to have them on the show, and I encourage all of you to be sure to subscribe to the MCU Podcast and to follow Matt and Jeff on Twitter at MCUcast and on Facebook at the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. I'll include those links in the show notes below. And of course, I want to turn the conversation over to you of all the moments throughout the MCU up through Spider-Man Far From Home, which moment has been your favorite. If you can't pick one, of course, send over your few or perhaps your top 10 list. You can send me your answers and your feedback in so many different ways. Of course, you can reach out to me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast or on Twitter at Imagineer News. So go ahead and leave me a direct message or share in a post or share to your Instagram or Facebook stories what your thoughts are, or perhaps a TikTok video counting down your top 10 Marvel Cinematic Universe moments, your favorite moments from the MCU. You can also send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. And I would encourage you to join our Facebook group, the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast, Disney fan community. You can search for that in Facebook or go to facebook.com slash Imagineer Podcast and click on the groups tab. That will take you over to the Imagination. And over there, you can converse not just with me, but with other members of the Imagineer Podcast community to talk about your favorite Marvel moments and many other topics pertaining to all things Disney. If you don't already subscribe to the show, be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whichever podcast app you're listening to the show. It includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and so many more. And as always, hitting the subscribe or follow button, make sure you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. If you don't listen to podcast apps, you can even follow along on YouTube at Imagineer Podcast, and I have most of the episodes posted there as well. One of the best things, of course, you could do for the show is to share it, whether you share out your favorite podcast episode or the podcast as a whole or any of our posts on social media. It really does so much to help the podcast community continue to grow, and I 
always enjoy conversing with all of you and hearing your thoughts and opinions about episodes. So go ahead and tweet out about us or share a post on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or LinkedIn, or just talk about it with your friends. And that does a lot to help Imagineer podcast grow each and every day. And if you want to do something one step further, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We over we have over 300 five-star reviews, which is thanks to all of you listening for leaving those rating and re- those ratings and those reviews. I do read each and every single one of them and often share uh, some new reviews that come through on my Instagram and Facebook stories. And again, thanks to all of you who have rated and reviewed the show in the past. And if you want to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast one step further, be sure to look into the Imagineer Society by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. I also have the link in the show notes below to learn how you can help to support the Imagineer Podcast financially and in return, get perks and benefits and rewards. As I've mentioned on the show before, I don't believe in just donating to the show. I believe in creating opportunities to support the show and in return, get some perks and rewards. So literally, even if you just were to donate a dollar a month, that is $12 a year, you still get exclusive perks and benefits associated with that. And you can learn about all those benefits. Of course, the more you donate, the more it helps the show. And you can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash podcast. As always, be sure to check out our partners as well. You can first check out Christy over at The Kingdom Insider by visiting thekingdominsider.com or finding The Kingdom Insider on any social media platform. Christy posts so many incredible topics about Disney. She is a very reliable Disney news site. I always rely on her to post accurate news stories, not to spread false rumors, and to do it all with a high level of professionalism and integrity. And she even offers some incredible tips for families and individuals about traveling to all Disney destinations and even bringing Disney into your own home. So definitely check her out over at The Kingdom Insider. And when you're ready to plan your next Disney vacation, be sure to check out our partner, Academy Travel. They have been in this business for over 25 years and are diamond earmarked, which is the highest level that Disney and enables or gives or provides to agencies to let everyone know that they are one of the best. In fact, they're voted as the best travel agency for Disney vacations. They can help you to plan your next trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Aulani, or any other destination around the world, all at no extra charge to you and no obligations. You can get a free quote by clicking on any of the links in the show notes below, which will let them know that Imagineer Podcast sent you. And like I said, it's a free quote, no obligation. If you do decide to go with them, which I encourage you to do, they provide an exceptional level of service all at no extra charge to you and can even help to save you money. So thanks as always to Academy Travel and be sure to check them out. Last but not least, I hope you are doing everything you possibly can to go after your dreams and to make whatever those dreams are a reality to create a happier and a better life for yourself and for those around you. Remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.
Myself. So did something go wrong or did something go right? Well, after I put the stones back, I thought maybe I'll try some of that life Tony was telling me to get. 